This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm your sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Thank you very much for tuning our way. On and a uh, good morning. Day. Oh, I'm rhyming everything. I know. Sorry to interrupt you. Can't you see? <laughs> it's because you're yeah, pretending you're... to be Leonard Cohen earlier. <laughs> I <laughs> was. And I want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, hey, you know what? Oh, it's, it's the first weekend of fall. It is, and it's yeah. a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. day. It has been a gorgeous week, and even tomorrow's going to be nice. They, yeah. they were talking rain, but now they're looking, still looking like a good day to get out in the garden. Just thinking about people driving up north to close up the cottage, possibly. Uh, or that, maybe that's yuck. a little early. A lot, a lot of people. Well, I think that's more of a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Anyway, um, I better give the phone numbers here. You okay? might as well. Because you've got some announcements mm-hmm. and everything. Oh, okay, phone number if you're from uh, or in the Toronto area. 416-360-0740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And our mantra, of course, is call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, let James, uh, James Dooley is the first James question. James Patrick hear. Dooley. James Patrick Dooley. Yes, let him know, and this is what will happen, a little welcoming bell. You get butterfly wings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything what? else from you, Franklin? Um, not at the moment. No, thank you very much. All righty. Slurp my coffee while you blather on. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Just don't slurp too loudly. All right. All mm-hmm. right. A uh, couple of upcoming events. Mark on your calendar. Tomorrow, the Toronto African Violet Society is holding their open house and plant sale from noon until 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which, of course, is 777 Lawrence Avenue East. Uh, They also hold meetings the third Tuesday of every month, beginning at 7.30 p.m. They have an informative monthly newsletter, and if you like African violets, you might want to look into this group. Uh, They host a website, www.tavs, which I think probably stands for Toronto African Violet Society. Oh, Good guess, right? There you are. Dot .ca. So take a look at the website. Uh, you can join. You can go shop for African Violets tomorrow. You can speak to the experts because there will be lots of people there with all kinds of unusual things going on. Also, mark your calendars for April. The uh, Toronto African Violet Society is hosting the Canadian African Violet Society Convention April 23rd to 26th, and it will be open to the public for a couple of days, and I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. But certainly exciting and something to look forward to as we're moving our gardens indoors. Mm-hmm. Nothing gives back like an African violet. They can just keep on blooming. They're, they're very easy plants. The plant that keeps on giving. That's correct. Hmm. Super simple. They don't get bugs. You know, you don't have to do a lot of things with African violets. They just perk along quite nicely. Okay, uh, coming up. This Monday, September 30th, I will be at the Cannington Horticultural Society. They meet in the Lions Hall in Cannington at 8 p.m. 
My subject I will be speaking about is the big chill. That's Monday. Also this Monday, the Agent Court Garden Club is holding their general monthly meeting and show. The topic is healthy gardens with a speaker from the Toronto Region Conservation Authority. They meet in the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue in Agent Court. Of course, all are welcome at any of these meetings. Um, many of these meetings also host refreshments. Yeah. Fun mm. people. Yeah. Free yeah. parking. Now, when you're up, say, at, at Cannington, mm. is it part of your deal that you have to have a red carpet and then they, they <laughs> yes. have to genuflect to you? you yes. Know? Somebody carries me in, yes. too. Oh, well, that's I don't, right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't I walk. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a litter. They have a litter ready. I just kind of sprawl. Little puppies. (laughs) Exactly. Me and my litter. (laughs) Loud, I'll tell you. Okay, on Wednesday, so not Monday, because Monday I'm in Cannington, but on Wednesday, October 2nd, I will be in Coburg at the Horticultural Society. Get that red carpet ready. That's right. So get that litter out. Uh, We'll be meeting at the Columbus Community Center at 7.30 p.m. The topic that evening will be Behind the Magic of Canada Blue. Well, there you go. Alrighty, okay. Is that it for now? That is it for now. Okay, because I know that James has been working his little tush off in there, uh, (laughs) lining up all the great callers, and we will be along with them momentarily. But first, we have a couple of words, do we not? Uh, From our sponsors. From our sponsors, okay. Uh, I'm nodding toward James. Yes, go. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. We're back again? Okay. (laughs) All right. That was, that was, uh, oh, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a live Sierra Sill. Well, According I, to the okay, I'm confused then. Well, all right. I thought we did Sierra Sill on the 20 and the 40. I don't know. Not according. Okay, so uh, I don't have okay. the log in front of me. So well, anyway. there you are. Folks are concerned. <sighs> oh, they're sitting out there. We'll log. What are they talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Has it got any litter. bugs in it and stuff like that? No. Okay. okay. On, on we go to the callers. Good heavens. Uh, Pat in Coburg uh, in uh, a mulching mood here. Good morning, Pat. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. I have, I want to mulch my flower beds for (laughs) weed control. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I know I have to put down three to four inches. Mm -hmm. My question is, what about the spring bulbs and things that are already there? Are they going to come up through this mulch or should I wait till spring and mulch? Hey, this is actually a great question because you're absolutely right. There is often some confusion about spring applied mulches versus fall applied mulches. So for your purposes, for weed control, you're absolutely right. The time to apply that three, four, five inches of mulch is next spring, but quite late in the spring in the sense that you want, you don't want to put the mulch on too early because then the ground is still cold and frozen and the mulch will slow down the soil warming up. So that's why we wait until the soil has warmed up. And based on perhaps like this last spring, it would have been late April, might have even been mid-May by the time mulch was going down onto the soil, the surface of the gardens, for the purposes of controlling weeds. The mulch that we put on our gardens in the fall is something that, again, we wait a little longer because, again, we want the soil to be colder. 
the mulch we're going to put on, we will apply after there's been a good hard frost. The annual flowers, the perennials have all been frosted back. And the mulch we apply in the fall is strictly to help the plant's roots that are under the soil there to get through all the crazy ups and downs of our temperature changes that happen in the wintertime. So that mulch just helps temper the extremes of weather. So, excuse me, so could I put like two inches of mulch down now and then four inches in the spring? Uh, you could if you were sitting on a lot of mulch and it was in the way and you just wanted to, you know, get it out on the garden. Yes, you could. Um, and the other thing you point out is when all your bulbs come up, and they will come up through the mulch, so no worries there. But when the bulbs come up, it does make it a little bit harder to get a whole bunch of mulch out around them. So that's, dep- assuming you've got early bulbs, they yes, sh- I do. <laughs> yeah, they should be done their thing. They've they flowered, their leaves are starting to turn yellow. So when you're putting that mulch out later in the spring, that you're to some extent, camouflaging and, and burying those leaves to some extent. So they're not showing up quite as obviously. Oh, that's that's a good idea. Yeah. I, like, I love tulips, but I hate them when they're yeah. dying off and Me you too. have to wait and cut down the... That's know. right. Exactly. So because you always want to wait at least four to five, six weeks after the flowers to allow those leaves to do their thing. So it's in that process, you know, like I say, whenever that is, soil warmed up sufficiently, get that mulch out. And if some of the leaves are under the mulch, it's okay. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, You're thanks for joining welcome. us, Pat. All right. And Bye. enjoy the day in Coburg, sunny mm-hmm. as it See is here week. in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> See you in Coburg. Oh, that's right. You're going to yeah. be there. Be there. Alrighty. Uh, Brampton, let's see. We've got Mary on the line. Good morning, Bram- uh, Mary. <laughs> Good morning, Brampton. Well, yes. Morning. Morning. This is a day for soil question. No problem. Okay. I'm looking at my backyard garden. I live in, in a, ta- in a ca- you know, townhouse. Mm-hmm. I want to enrich the soil for next spring planting. Mm-hmm. Can I use a triple mix or what? Uh, so you're wanting to uh, amend your soil now in preparation for next spring? Exactly. Okay, so what is triple mix? Triple mix is supposed to be a balanced mix of three components. One is peat moss, the other is topsoil, and the other is composted manure. So those three things come together and it's trademarked as triple mix. If your soil is tired and nutrient poor and either very gravelly or clay or sandy or any of the extremes of poor quality soil. Well, it is tired. Yeah, I would, I'd be inclined to not go triple mix, but to just go composted manure. Can I get it this time of the year, or do I go to a nursery, or what? Well, you can. There's two ways to get manure. One is in a bag, and the other is by the truckload. So it just depends uh, in sort of what size townhouse garden you probably need a few bags. Yeah. So I would um, earlier in the season you would have found it at your grocery stores and places like that. Now they've likely blown that out and emptied out in preparation for Halloween and Christmas. Uh But your garden centers will definitely still have. um, composted manure available. Okay. Any sheep, cow? Sheep, cow are both available. Very, very comparable. Some people argue that sheep manure is slightly better because it has tiny, tiny percentage more nitrogen in it just because of the kind of digestion that sheep have versus the kind of digestion oh, okay. that cows have. But, but Spread it v- out and just kind of scratch it in? Yeah, you know what? Very lightly scratch in. You don't have to do a lot of digging. Right. Typically, you just want to get it out there and the various animals and uh, living things in your soil will mix it for you. 
And remember to add leaves too, Mary. Don't when you're doing any leaf raking, don't bag up your leaves. <clears throat> Get, Easier said than done. Chop those leaves up and keep them and put them right on top of the garden. They will also contribute very good organic material. Decompose. Yeah. Okay, enjoy your show Great. immensely. Thanks very much. And have a good day. And Thank you, too. you very much. I, I wish you signed the checks here. You know? <laughs> I know. <Gosh. laughs> but, but Mary's right. That's, these are good questions. It's all about the soil. I love the fact that people are thinking about soil. Because all the best garden plants in the world that you pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to mm-hmm. purchase are not going to thrive unless they're planted into a good soil. Right? It's all about good living soil. And it's very hard to fix your soil later. You fix your soil at the beginning and then you continue to continuously amend it, as Mary pointed out, just wanting to get a layer of good organic material, composted manure being perfect, onto the gardens every year. You want to wind up with delicious dirt. You do, actually. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds silly, but you know, there's a real difference between living. Dirt yeah. versus dead, a, dry, yeah. dusty dirt. Yeah. And old, you know, poor. Well, I think it was Mary who soil. said uh, she, she knew her soil was tired. I thought mm. maybe she was walking by and she could hear it yawn. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Sighing. Yeah. Exactly. But you know what? You see that? Well, you're in downtown Toronto now, and you yeah. see that where the big old trees are. The soil was there 100 years ago. The trees were planted 100 years ago, and nobody's done anything since. Yeah. And that is tired soil. Yeah. And you can see it. You can just look at it. It's because cracked. Baked it's, and yeah, it's so baked forth. and it's yeah. pale in color. There's no life in it at all. All right. So right. get that soil up and Right. So ready. You, yeah. it's all about the organic matter. Okay. okay. Now, it's all about a little uh, word for a Sierra cell right now. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. So, and you are the expert when it comes to Sierra cell. I am. Well, you know, I don't have creaky joints. I, uh, implying I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, either do you. Because we both maintain... The freedom to stay active, whether it's unpacking boxes after we move uh, yes. or oh, gardening. We're still there. Or, you know, as we speak, yes. there's a box of di- all of Dye's shoes are at the bus terminal somehow. Yeah, they walked to the bus terminal. <laughs> yes, well, no, we left, left them there somehow. Yeah, yeah well, well, things yeah. happen. So, yes, moving is stressful. Yep. And there's a lot of work to it, a lot of, you know, sort of mental work and physical work. And something like Sierra Sil can help your body Absolutely. feel better. Three little pills every day, completely natural supplement from the Sierra Mountains. Uh, now, it, uh, for more information, you can call the people in Vancouver, uh, 1-877-JOINT-14. You can also uh, check them on the web, sierrasill.ca. You can also buy Sierra Sill at many health food stores. Now, I have a little note here that uh, in Newmarket uh, today, you could stop by Nature's Emporium. That's at 16655 Young Street for their Customer Appreciation Day. And pick up the great deals on Sierra Sill. For instance, you can pick up the travel size Sierra Sill on sale for only nine ninety seven. Mm. Ah, way to go, huh? S I E R R A S I L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And both Charlie and I... I, being Frank Proctor, wish you all the best on this mm-hmm. first full weekend of fall. I and it's know. gorgeous Look, out Look, colors, yeah. are, leaves are starting Sunny. to turn color. Mm-hmm. Sun is shining. 
great day to be outside. Exactement. And Catherine's on the line from Toronto, maybe just around the corner. You never know. Want, uh, flowering maple. A butelon, is that a butelon? A butelon. A butelon. Okay. Hi, Catherine. Good morning. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. And once again, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You, uh, you advised me about my butelon when I had first acquired it a year ago. And um, it's been in. It was in last winter in the basement. Mm-hmm. I put it out in the garden, still in the pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is now four about four feet tall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put another stake in it. It is just masses mm-hmm. of those little orange flowers. Yeah. Wow. Now I I brought it in uh, last week because it was a threat mm-hmm. of frost. Good idea. So I put it again down in the basement, but I recall there is some reason for me to have to cut it back. Well, yes, you are going to want to cut it back. The bigger question is when. Yes. If you cut it now, then you're going to cut off all those beautiful orange flowers. Yes. Uh, Now, are you spending time in the basement? Are you appreciating those flowers? Well, I'm up and down a lot. Okay, okay. So leave my, leave it alone. Like just let it. You know, you managed to get it down there, and it's fitting. So leave it alone. But before it goes outside next spring, and actually, frankly, probably late February, early March, mm-hmm. I would cut it down by about a half. Oh. Because that's going to be very invigorating. Right now it sounds like it's quite tall. It's probably quite soft and willowy. And um, you mentioned that you're staking some of these branches because we had a lot of uh, moisture this year. And that led to some very soft growth on a lot of our plants. Oh. And by cutting it down, you'll help to keep it more dense. The, sh- the form of the plant will be better. It'll be more branching, less tall, Stronger, willowy yes, stuff. Exactly. I see. So, yeah, for now, like I said, just enjoy what you've got going on there. Um, be- the shock of coming in, expect that some of the more mature leaves will drop, mm-hmm. the older leaves down at the bottom. Uh, the tips should stay nice and green. The flowers will do their thing. And you'll just sweep up at, as, you know, time goes on. Water sparingly. Be careful. It's very easy to overwater when we first bring plants in. Okay. And, uh, and no fertilizer, of course. Okay. But come February, March, get out your sharp scissors or your loppers and, and be prepared to cut it right down. And at that point, you'll also f- um, fertilize. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, just happened that I was talking to a lady um, and uh, she said, oh, actually, she was at, um, hum- uh-huh, not Humber, uh, Sheridan. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, I just used some orchid on my something else, you know, mm. and it wasn't what it wasn't an orchid. So I bought some orchid fertilizer, and I put. I think that's what it, yeah. what's produced so many flowers. Flowers, perhaps. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for your call, Catherine. Welcome Thank always, Catherine. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Bye bye now. Enjoy that sunny day out there. Yeah, and just before you go to the next caller, yeah. um. I should, probably should have mentioned this before we answered Catherine's question, but mm. I have an email from Marion, and I hope Marion is listening because Marion's question was uh, all about diplodenia. Now, diplodenia, I know, good name, eh? Write oh, that wow, one yeah. down. Save oh, that. Got a terrible case of diplodenia. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> got an itch in my yeah. diplodenia. Oh, oh, good heavens. <laughs> okay. So, censored. Um, 
it's Diplodini is a tropical plant, just like a butylon. And a butylon, as we were just talking about with Catherine and how to bring it in and care for it over the winter and prepare it for next spring, Diplodenia is exactly the same. So like I said, I hope Miriam is listening because her question was, you know, can I bring it inside? Uh, what would I do to do that? And uh, she just had some, some questions. So like I said, Marion, same info. <laughs> Thank you. I, I try and get one word that's really kind of fun to mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. Uh, of every garden show. I, and that one's a good one. That's Diplodenia. Diplodenia. Uh, oh, Diplodenia. No. Yeah. Okay, very no. good. <laughs> Got it. Uh, let's take a little drive uh, this time around up to Lindsay and uh, say hi to Doug. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, grubs, my nemesis. Mm. I put the um, nematodes on on the 26th of August. Okay. I still got grubs. Uh, how do you, what are you seeing? I, I just uh, I, I dig and I can see them. Right, but at this time of year, grubs would be typically very, very, very small. Are you seeing big grubs? No, they're they're mostly smaller ones. Okay. So when you put the nematodes on, did yep. you follow all the instructions to the letter? Yes, I. And it was well soaked. I was okay. neighbors wanted to take my picture because I was standing out in the rain with the umbrella in one hand and the sprayer in the other. <laughs> Perfect. And when you brought the nematodes home from the store, you came straight home. You didn't stop at the pub or anything no, like that. Right to the fridge. Okay, good. Just checking. All right. So uh, now, and when you spread the nematodes, you specifically were out there. So you used a sprayer, like a hose end sprayer. I've got proper nematode, uh, nematode uh, spray gun. Okay. And you sprayed the nematode. These are eggs, actually. You sprayed them in the area where you had anticipated grubs were or you had already seen grubs. I did my entire back lawn. It's not mm. that large. It's only about 25 by 45. Mm. So I was able to do it many times over. Oh, good. With just that one little package. Yeah. Oh, good. Because there are billions of eggs within that little sponge. Okay. Yeah, I tried to count them, but... <laughs> I know. I, it's real. It's, I, you know, you really wonder when yeah. you're doing it, actually, because you can't see anything, you can't smell anything, and you think, oh, is this yeah, like this, one of those... I've been taken again. Exactly. Yeah, a yeah. $40 what? But you still, you still have grub problems, is, is that... Well, you're, yeah. he's finding evidence of live grubs, and that's the problem. Now, you've got to remember, all those little nematode eggs had to hatch. It's been a month, and they had to find the grubs. Right. And then they had to burrow into the grubs and proceed to eat them from the inside out. So a few grubs have, have escaped. Now, two options. One would be to try the nematode thing again. Uh, number two would be to get a sh- – um, I was going to say, yeah, it's very – there's no chemicals that you can use. No. Um, yeah, see, so, I mean, there's different um, beetles that – lay the eggs that become the grubs. There's three different beetles, and they don't all do it at the same time. Mm. And so there's different times when the eggs are laid and the eggs hatch to become tiny little minuscule grubs that grow up into being big, fat, ugly things. Um, I'd be inclined to suggest doing it again. Okay. I'll try anything. Okay. 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 Uh, I am, yeah, and you know, I'm just trying to think. If For more information, if this helps, Doug, uh, you have access to the internet? Yes. Okay, go to the, it's called the Guelph Turfgrass Institute website. So Guelph, the town town of Guelph. Oh, okay. G-U-E-L-P-H. Okay. Turfgrass, one word, institute. Okay. They have a website. So just Google that. Go to their website. There will be information there on the right nematodes to annihilate the grubs. 
and mm. there will be recommendations for different nematodes to be used at different times oh, in man. August and September and even July, depending on, you know, time of year, different mm-hmm. nematodes. And that way, I mean, the name has got, you know, it's as long as <laughs> my arms, <laughs> big long names of these nematodes. And, uh, and so you can write that whole thing down. And then when you go shopping for the nematodes, you know exactly which species you're shopping for. And check the expiry date, of course, on the nematodes and get them from a quality retailer who you know will have treated them properly. So, again, so they are alive. Right. You have no way to tell whether they're alive. If you've done everything right, they should, it all should work. Yeah. But it's just maybe, you know, it's slightly possible that the refrigerator, they had a power failure and the refrigerator warmed up before you bought them at one point or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay. Well, good luck with it, Doug. Yeah, good luck. Let us know how that works out. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Doug. All righty. Yeah, grub's a terrible problem. Darn things. <laughs> I know. And you love your nematodes. Oh, I do. I love the nematodes. Well, <laughs> Some Georgina. Some of your best friends are nematodes. <laughs> Some of my best friends are nematodes. <laughs> Georgina in Etobicoke. Hello. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, my hydrangeas. <laughs> it seems like every year I call about them. They're so beautiful. But this year... For some reason or other, the, the leaves have gone completely black, almost, and they could crumble them. They're just yeah. so dry. And I it all start- I don't know what, I mean, it's just, I think it's just too early for that to happen. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it happen No, before. but I've seen it on quite a few hydrangeas this year, and it starts with little brown specks, and the little mm-hmm. specks get bigger and bigger until they all coalesce together and the whole leaf is virtually brown and crispy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's strictly an environmental stress. It's all connected to the kind of weather we've had. Very oh, hot, very, very okay. cold, very okay. wet, you know, everything in between, and the leaves of the hydrangeas are showing that stress. No worries. They're all just going to drop off and decompose, and next year is a whole new year with a whole new set of leaves. Come yeah. Again. Yeah. Don't worry. Well, so. I generally cut them back. Somebody told me that they don't do. They do it in the spring, but I've always done it in sort of late fall. Cut them right back. Is that okay? You can, are, they are. They do come back. Yeah. So. You can do either. It's you uh, can. yeah. If for some people, it's just a question of lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. they leave early to go to Florida. You know, leave in October, and you know so it's not time to cut them down yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wait till spring. Okay. Other people, they're still out gardening after Halloween, and it's perfect time to cut them down. Well, that's me. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, have, a, gr- have a great day. Thank, Thank you for joining you. us. Bye-bye. Yeah, the Garden Show here at AM740, Zoomer Radio, as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Yes. And Mike is on the line from Mississauga. Welcome to the show, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Oh, I understand you're a first-time caller. I am. There you go. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have a question about a mandevilla. Uh-huh. I kind of inherited it. It was in a, in a large pot. I brought it home. I put it in a pot. Mm-hmm. It's not as big a pot as it was in, but it's fairly large. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have it on a balcony, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has lots of flowers. It's about uh, five to six feet tall, mm-hmm. if you were to straighten up all the strings. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a vine, yep. Um, I don't have a clue what to do. Do I cut it back for winter months? Can I keep it over outside on the balcony? No. What? It will die if you leave it outside. Oh. It is a tropical plant. So you could bring it in uh, off your balcony. Do you have a sunny window you could put it in? Yes. Okay. So that's what I would be inclined to do is give it a real thorough soaking down with some soap and water. Okay. Uh, you don't have to cut it down to bring it in. 
But you will find that when you bring it in, it's going to slow right down in its growth. Uh, you will see some flower, some leaves will turn yellow, particularly down at the base of the plant. The older leaves will start to turn yellow. Um, sometimes through the winter, Mandevilla will send out long, twining vines that you know are mm. reaching across, trying to get your coffee in the morning. It feels like they're just <laughs> they're. It's like how does that happen? But uh, so you will cut it down eventually. Is really the bottom line. You don't have to cut it down now. You can wait until February or March because by then you definitely will want to cut it down. How far back would I cut it? I would cut it right down by half. Okay. Okay. And again, no fertilizer. Once you bring it in, be careful with your watering. It's easy to overwater and uh, and do the um, uh, careful watering and no fertilizer till next spring. Very good. Okie doke. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. Boy, calls about this, that, and the other thing. What's uh, what's happening in Mississauga now? Uh, Myrna has a question about orchid plants. Good morning, Myrna. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I have. I bought last last uh, year, spring, I guess. I bought five orchid plants. Mm-hmm. I, I gave them the three um, ice cubes of water, which I heard you tell uh, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. every week, every Sunday, I bought uh, orchid fer- fertilizer and gave them the fertilizer from April to September. Once a Only month? Only one plant grew a stem with flowers. Mm. The other four did absolutely nothing except grow roots and leaves. Okay. What yeah. did I do wrong? Um, well, what kind of light have you got these in? I've got them right by my living room uh, window, but not right on the window. They're kind of like on a little table that's mm-hmm. down a little bit so that they don't get the full sun. What direction does the window face? It faces west. Yeah, so that is a hot, that's a bright spot. Oh. Uh, okay, no, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, now I'm assuming these are moth orchids or phalaenopsis. Phalaenopsis or whatever you call them, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, they're not in any kind of a draft, are they? No hot air or cold air draft? No. Meaning the draw, the air conditioning or what will be the heat blowing out of a vent? No. Okay, No, good. I don't. Uh, I'm in an apartment mm-hmm. and I have, um, uh, I guess, hot water heat. Uh, rads, but I've got the one in the living room turned off. Okay. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's important. That's w- w- one of the things that, you know, orchids absolutely hate is any kind of air blowing across them. Okay. They love humidity. So one thing you could do, particularly with winter coming, with orchids and with many tropical plants, but particularly orchids, is make yourself a pebble tray. So it's just basically a cookie sheet okay. filled with uh, a layer of gravel. Uh-huh. And the orchid plants sit on top of the gravel, okay. and you keep water in the gravel at all times. Oh. And the water is always constantly evaporating around the plants, and it's a wonderful way to increase the humidity around the plants. <clears throat> they, they sound happy. Growing oh. roots and, you know, looking green and shiny and healthy is important. They're beautiful, and the roots are coming... Actually, the last month, the roots have been coming out of them like crazy. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, don't don't get stressed about the lack of flowers because, of course, you know, there's more to a plant than just flowers, <laughs> though we do appreciate the flowers when they come out. <laughs> so, so pretty. I would just keep doing that. When you, you mentioned you're fertilizing and have been fertilizing consistently, how do you do that? You've been mixing the fertilizer with water and then watering with that? I mix the fertilizer with water, uh-huh. yes, what it says on the, on the little container. Yep. 
and I put them in the sink, and I pour the fertilizer uh, on the plant, mm-hmm. and then just let whatever uh, drain down. Perfect. And then I put them back when they've sat for about maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I put them back in the in the uh, tray, okay. and then put them back on the uh, on the table. Okay, and then and you found that they still needed the three ice cubes every week as well. They were fairly dry. I mean, that's the one thing about or- that particular kind of orchid. It likes to be kept fairly consistently moist, okay. but not too wet. Otherwise, you'll start seeing it to rot. And not too dry, you'll see all those roots start to shrivel up. So well, there's a fine line. But it sounds like you're doing a good thing. It sounds They sound happy and healthy. Well, I, I, I give them the three uh, ice cubes every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, the fertilizer said that you ha- uh, every two weeks. Oh, I see. Okay. I was doing that every two weeks. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, you know what? I would be inclined to continue using the fertilizer once a month, not every two weeks, through the winter. Because unlike many plants, orchids don't really rest in the winter. These plants can still produce flowers any time of the year. Uh So maintain that that fertilizer schedule you've got going, but just once a month. Oh, okay. Okay, let us know how that goes. But they sound happy. The main thing is just talk to them. Tell them you need to see some flowers. Well, I keep saying, I do. I them. I keep saying, come on, roots, go away. <laughs> no, you need the roots, too. No, the roots are good. The roots are, are perfectly healthy and normal. Okay. Okay. One came up. One came well, there up you beautiful. Go. Actually, the flowers are still on it. One for five. One surprise. Twenty <laughs> percent, not bad. Let's see if we can up that. <laughs> Thank you very, okay. very much. Thanks Sarah. for okay. your call. <laughs> Take care, Merla. And you. Yeah. And you know, uh, in your comments to Merla, mm. finally figured out. It. Now you would be so proud of me. My son, my youngest guy, Toby, <laughs> gave Di uh, when she first went into the hospital over the summer. Mm-hmm. An orchid plant. There are about four lovely flowers on it, and they've been slowly mm-hmm. dropping away. Shriveling. Yep. And you know. It was because I had them in the uh, a fan, oh. that, you know. Oh. Yeah, and it's right. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, but I've still got. One, I've got one left. Oh yeah, and it's still. Well, can it produce more yes, flowers? It still? might. It might. Yeah. But never give up. And of course, I mean, over the years, yeah. any plant can produce many, many flower stems. Yeah, yeah. The stem you've got there now, though, sounds like it's kind of on its way out. But yeah. don't do anything with it. Let the flowers drop off. The green, if it's still a green yeah. stem, just yeah. leave it alone. Okay. Until it shrivels down brown, right? To the bottom, then you'll it cut it away, but get it out of the blowing hurricane force <laughs> of a fan. Like, Jeez. think about it. Think where orchids are naturally from. They're yeah. they're from deep in the forest. Oh yes, of course. Of Sheltered course. where there's no hurricane force fans <laughs> blowing on them. See how she treats me, folks. I'm like, oh, gee. <laughs> Anyway, um, mm-hmm. we must take a little bit of a break here, my friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. Be- and I'm starting to do my exercises. I really am. I'm getting serious about this now. Uh, I'm even s- going to stand up. Oh, I'm going to stand up to do my exercises. That's serious. Yeah. Frank's getting Arms serious. Arms way up over my head okay, but out to the side. You know why? Up. It's good because That's, Frank, yeah. after the show, is going home to unpack more boxes <laughs> and sort out more stuff. Exactly. So he's got to get limber and he's got to stay active. Yes. And, of course, Sierra Sil helps us to do that in a pain-free way. We appreciate that because as we get older, those joints get a little stiff and creaky, and Sierra Sil magically somehow relieves that pain for us. It might work for you as well. Give them a call at 1-877-JOINT-14 or check them on the web, sierrasil.ca, or you can buy Sierra Sil at many stores like... Well, as a matter of fact, in the Newmarket area today... 
You can stop by Nature's Emporium at 16655 Young Street for their Customer Appreciation Day and pick up great deals on Sierra Sil. Matter of fact, they got a great buy in the travel size Sierra Sil on sale for only $9.97. So there you are, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Just had a little special note uh, from James in the control room there that we had a, a chap on the line from Niagara, Wally, I believe his name was, and uh, some, I don't know what happened, but the call dropped off, and he was a 70, he was talking about a 75-year-old rose bush. Maybe he'll try and call back. I, yeah. hope, I hope he will. We love hearing about old plants. They always have good stories. That's, That's right. With them. Yeah. Well, let's go to uh, Cynthia in Markham and have a word there. Hi, Cynthia. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Great. I have two hibiscus, right? Mm -hmm. A couple weeks ago, you had a first frost, and I was told to take it inside, which I did. It's a huge hibiscus with a double bud. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I took it in. There's a lot of buds on it, a lot of flowers, beautiful. Mm. I have no problem with that one. But the other one, it's at my front veranda, mm. has a lot of sun. Somebody, it has the little white flies on the back of the leaves. Mm. Somebody told me to put, um, to spray it with garlic and um, soap water. Is that all right? Yes. <clears throat> Garlic yes. with the soap water to spray the back of these leaves so these little white flies won't come back. So I'm calling the expert to ask you what you say. All right. So thank you for calling. I My expertise is the following. Mm. The insect that you've got, it's a, literally a pure white flying insect on the hibiscus. They are very difficult to completely annihilate. Ew. Yes, you can kill some of them because you can spray and they will take off from the spray, but you can spray. Uh, the the fly, you know, you're kind of chasing them around as they're flying. <clears throat> you have to coat them with your soap and water and if you want to throw some garlic into your soap and water you can do that uh, spray and they will die mm. but keep in mind there are eggs still on the leaves so in order to be effective you need to spray two or three times with a five to seven day interval in between each spray and you need to spray extremely thoroughly under the leaves, on top of the leaves, drip till the plant is just dripping. Uh, and even then, you may still find that one egg survives. Yeah. And you bring Can the plant in. Can I spray in. the soil too? Shall I spray, like, spray the, um, the liquid in the soil and turn it up? Just in case any eggs inside of it? Um, you can. Typically, the eggs don't are, are not harbored in the soil. It would, doesn't hurt to spray the soil. The, mm. the real issue is on the plant. And it's just, it's very frustrating because the plant will look so good and so clean and you think you've got it bug-free. You bring it in the house and by Christmas time, you'll be calling me saying, okay, those white flies are back. Yeah. And that's always a drag because at that point, what are you going to do? You just put it out, let it die in the frost. But meanwhile, those white flies may have moved to some of your other plants. And it will happen. It could. Oh, Lord. So if you can isolate it, like if you've got a place you can keep it alone, like try and kill the bugs, follow the instructions we just discussed, then keep it isolated from the other plants, who knows, maybe you'll be successful and you won't see any white flies this winter, but in my experience, they often do come back. 
Okay, because my husband is either going to put me out or the plant out. <laughs> and I'd rather have my plant because the plant is beautiful yeah. when it's bloomed. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Okay, so, okay, great, and have a blessed day. And you Thank too. You. Thanks for Thank your you. call. Bye-bye. It's <laughs> always a good idea to mix up soap okay. and water, not detergent, soap, liquid soap, 40 to 1 ratio, mm-hmm. right, water to soap. Any plant you want to bring indoors from outside, whether it's a Christmas cactus or it's a hibiscus or a diplodenia or anything, a butylon, you get that spray out, you thoroughly soak the plants, giving them a really good shower bath and let that drip for 5-10 minutes. Of course, no sun on the plant when you're doing this because the soap and the sun don't mix well. Then the clear water hose... Clean that all off. And that's to get rid of any bugs. Yeah, any dirt, yeah, bugs, okay. pollution, soot, spider webs, any of it. <clears throat> any of it. Yeah, okay. just clear everybody off of there and then get ready to bring the plants in. But very nice if you can isolate your plants that have come in from the plants that have already been in. Mm-hmm. Just because you're, you do always run the risk of the odd critter still emerging. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, we're going to talk to a lady next uh, from a little town that's, uh, well, just Dear north of the Stoville. Yes, Uxbridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a big welcome to Mary. Hello, Mary. Hi, good morning, Charlie. Morning. Um, I My question is, um, I want to bring in geranium pots they're mm-hmm. about 12 inches in diameter, mm-hmm. and they're about, oh, a foot and a half tall. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring them into a semi-sunny location, but should I cut them back now? You don't have to, but no? you would, no, you don't have to. I mean, the um, when we bring in the big plants like that, uh, of course, you're going to do all that cleaning that we talked about, that mm-hmm. soap and water, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that we, those, those are what are considered mother plants when they come in. Yeah. So you're going to cut them down eventually, but of course they probably have all kinds of flowers on them. So I would, I would bring them in and enjoy them as they are, unless you just aren't going to be in, have no time or you're placing them somewhere where you're not going to see them. Then, yeah, you could cut them down by half. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they sit. And you be very careful with your watering because they're going to use virtually no water at all. The and, leaves will fall off. Yep, the leaves will mostly all fall off. And then come February, early March, the plants know that the days are getting longer. Of course, there'll be more light in the room where you've got them. At that point, if you don't start to see little new growth starting to, little green buds starting to emerge, you'll just do another little cutting, a little pinching of the tips uh, just to force out some new growth. And all that new growth could be your new plants. That's what people often, that's how all the geraniums are usually started by the growers, right? They cut back the mother plants, and the new growth becomes all the, the new the little baby plants. Um, if I the parts that I cut off when I bring them in now, mm-hmm. can I root those? You can try. You can try as the as the days have gotten shorter and cooler, the plants are slowing down. So it can be a long process to get roots from okay. any cuttings at this time of year. But it's worth a try. Okay. Okay. Thank you so hey, much. Thanks, Thanks for Mary. Your call. Let's see. Oh, I believe we have to take a little bit of a break right here. Okay. And uh, we'll return and uh, talk to Gabrielle in uh, Toronto. And Wally is back on the line from Niagara. Good. Okay. We'll eventually get to talk to Wally about that 75 year old plant or tree that he's got there. Oh, rose bushing. What? <laughs> what is it? Maybe You're it's such him. a gardener. Maybe, maybe he's the 75 year old. No, 75- it's you. You're the 75 year old. Back in just a moment. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the garden.
Jeopardy show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Charlie Dobbin and yours truly, uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming Gabriel to the airways. Hey, good morning, Gabriel. Yes, good morning. Can you people hear me? Yes, yes. indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I have the radio on in the basement, but I'm in the upstairs apartment in my house. Okay. Now, I'm very pleased to say I really do enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I only stumbled across it because I don't even have a TV anymore, and I, that's the only thing I got for companies, radio. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, I'm very pleased to say that my property is only 25 feet wide. Mm-hmm. Three and a half feet is mutual drive, and mm-hmm. there's a little bit of space between me and my next-door neighbor. So it's a detached house. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm very fond of my false weeping cypress. Mm-hmm. They're exquisite. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they are towering so tall, <laughs> I, was say. I have difficulty even putting burlap around them because I'm on the north side of the street, and we do get a lot of west wind. Oh, I wouldn't worry about wrapping them. How many years have they been there? Oh, they've been there a long time. Yeah, and yeah. I like they did get a bit of frostbite over the many years. Um, I got the parking permit to park the, pro- uh, the car on the property because it has to be all done legally with mm-hmm. building code and all that. And there was a percentage of land to garden that you were allowed to have. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm very concerned about the roots. Mm-hmm. Because I did put daffodils, and over the years, uh, very very few come up. Mm-hmm. I think the squirrels really like them. And the, the branches, one of the trees is grown immensely. I'm sure it's more than 20 feet tall, maybe even taller than that. And, like, one of the branches has got to be at least five feet. So tell me so how... I've had, I've had to take a lot of plants out, like shrubs and so on. Mm-hmm. So I would say they're at least nine feet there, uh, nine... How many weeping false cypress do you have? Two. Two. One uh, is massive, right. but I'm on a slope. Right. Okay. And the stupid thing is, uh, I did buy things to kind of build it up again, but mm-hmm. I lost the bill, and I can't have it delivered from Home Depot. Okay. Because I also bought plywood and all kinds of stuff for the garden. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm concerned about the roots because the, t- the soil is looking horrible. All right. So give me a second here. Um Good idea to be concerned about the roots. If you love those trees, oh, then I they do. are your Immensely. number one. They were my babies because yeah. I got them when they were maybe 30 inches tall, maybe not even. Okay, so they are the priority to keep them healthy and happy and alive. So being concerned about the roots is wise. The main thing here is do not wrap them in burlap. They don't need that kind of protection at this point. What they need is, as you know, some soil amending, some good quality organic material into the soil at their base. They also need to be thoroughly watered before we get into winter. Every year, every fall, the most important job we can do in our gardens where we have evergreens is we leave our hose on as long as possible and we trickle water into the soil so that the evergreen roots are completely encased in water before freeze up. That way we avoid that desiccation or burning of the above ground growth that happens when the soil gets too dry. So yes indeed uh, getting some good stuff in you know good uh, uh, organic material in 
into the soil. And the roots are fine as long as you're not parking over top of the roots. But perhaps that is maybe a bit of what is happening. And that will affect the trees over time. That Pardon just me? The, the weight of any vehicle pla- uh, placed over top of the roots of any living tree yeah. will be affected because of the compression of the soil to the roots below can be uh, detrimental to the health of any tree or shrub that is being uh, impacted. <clears throat> See, the thing is, I've dug out my hostas because they're, you know, like the trees, they're, you know, I'd rather keep my trees than the hostas. Yeah, of course. I understand. Out, no. But the soil is really bad. I yeah. mean, I have been neglecting the place because I've had tenants here and there. And yeah. All right. Uh, Gabrielle, we have to kind of move along here. We have one more Thanks call I wanted to call. squeeze on before don't, we uh, end the show. And don't but, hesitate to get some help with that. Yeah. It's a kind of job that getting some soil in there and doing, you know, professional designers, way to go. All right. Thanks a lot, Gabrielle. Thank you. Uh, Wally in Niagara. Ah, he's back, says a little note. <laughs> 75-year-old roses. Is that right, Wally? Yes. Morning. Good morning. Tell us. Pardon? Tell us about your rose. Well, the roses originally were from the Niagara... Well, I, I assume they're from the Niagara Parks Commission. Mm-hmm. My grandfather worked for them. Ah. And uh, they were given to my mother, and then I got them when she died. Mm-hmm. So I've calculated they're about 75 years old. Wow. How do I propagate them? Well, tell me, have they, have they been moved along the way? Like well, when you, yeah, so when you got them from your mom, for example, you dug them up and moved them. How yeah. how big are the is the stem or the base of the rose, the cane? The... I cut them back every year. Of course, but this so yeah, so the the new growth is always just normal pencil size, yeah. but the actual stalk at the base. There's, there's five or six plants actually uh-huh. is what there are, and they're different types. Uh-huh. There's one long stem rose, and the others are the uh, more bush type. Okay. Probably, very likely, those roses were specialty um, collector roses 75 years ago, um, probably originally from England in terms of the, um, the actual genetics of the plants. Yes. But they would have been budded or grafted onto a rootstock that is not their own because they That's would right not now. have yes. survived this long with, without that. So uh, ultimately, if you wanted to propagate them, there's, it's very interesting to look this up. Uh, just look up rose budding or rose grafting. Uh, it okay. is a quite a, it's a profession. People do it for a living. Uh, the, the rootstock is a rose called Rosa multiflora, and little pieces of your chosen rose get inserted under the bark of the Rosa multiflora, right, right. and then over a period of time, the Rosa multiflora is all cut away, the new rose grows, the roots, of course, are the original multiflora rose, and, um, and you are in the Niagara area. Do you, have you ever heard of um, uh, John Bacher and Associates? Uh, no. No, because it is... Uh, um, hmm. I'm going to give you a website next week. Listen to the show when, when I start the show next week. I'm going to give you a website. It's a wholesale grower, but they do a lot of rose growing. And they've got some really interesting information on their website. You might be quite okay. fascinated. Okay? Good. Thanks, Thank Wally. Thank you, Wally. 75-year-old I know. I love, oh I love plants with a story. Mm-hmm. Always. And, hey, we've heard some great stories this morning. We I have. Thank you to all great our callers. callers. And thank you uh, once again to James Patrick Dooley <laughs> doing a yeoman service there uh, behind the controls. A yeoman service. Yo. 
Oh, <laughs> that kind of yo. Yo, man. No, Y-E-O. James, you answer the phone, yo. This is the garden show. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all called garden show. Yeah, I do, of course. Of course. Sounds very professional. <laughs> exactly. Charlie? Yes. You're off and running today. Where, where are you off to? I'm off and running to meet a friend. We're going to go walk the beach there and get some sunshine and Good for you. some lunch and yeah. enjoy the day. It's a great day to be outside. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow, the garden. Lots to do in the garden. Yep. Uh, well, I'm back at noon, of course, with of course. the diner. The diner. And yeah. then uh, an hour of uh, Live in the City, and mm-hmm. then Frank Sinatra for oh, an hour. Okay. So that you've got a busy afternoon. I've got a busy afternoon. And then, but then you're going to go home and relax. And yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to unpack any more boxes today. I'm just <laughs> taking the day sure? off. I'm taking the day. <laughs> well, wait till I get home. My wife will maybe change my mind yeah, there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the bus depot and pick up the shoes yet, <laughs> yes, honey? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Put that on your list. I will. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Frank. And thank, thank you. you, James Patrick Dooley. And thanks to all our great callers. What a what a great bunch of people calling with great questions. So thanks for. Staying busy in the garden, and we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.